Hey guys, it's your boy Vinny B from Raider Nation Radio in the huddle. Guys, I've been talking for months now about TAT, an affordable quality CBD cigarette. Well, good news, all TAT products are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. That's right, TAT products, all of them, are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. Tailgates. Yeah, tailgating's always a blast. Yeah! It's time to start your Raider football day with the morning tailgate with your hosts, Clay Baker, Vinny Bonsignor, and Heidi Fang. Brought to you by Embajador Tequila and presented by the Realty One Group and Tuscany Suites and Casinos on Raider Nation Radio. Happy July 1st, Raider Nation! And good morning, a Friday. It's a three-day weekend. The start of a three-day weekend. We can all get into that. Happy 4th of July. Ahead of 4th of July. Be safe, please. You're in the tailgate. Or part of the tailgate. The morning tailgate. Vinny Bonsignor. Heidi Fang. Fang. Devon Cotton. We're going to have uh, a special treat at 845. Jennifer Brawley from the Raider Image. A new Raider Image. Heidi in town in Summerlin. Love Summerlin. Love going out to Summerlin. She'll be joining us at 845 to talk about all the new gear, uh, all the great specials that they have. Then at 940, Eric Nixick. Eric Nixick, yeah. He's a coach for Brad Tavares, a huge, huge Raider fan that is fighting in UFC 276. They were like on the field last year bringing out the flag uh, for the national anthem at one of the games. I think I think they were living large up in the Wynn nightclub part as well. Wow! Yeah, so down at the Wynn, they they get a lot of guys from Extreme Couture MMA, which is a local gym out here. They they train, they work with football players. So I want to talk with them Very about good. all of that. Very good. We want your calls seven zero two three six five ninety two hundred. Devon Cotton, how are you doing on this bright, beautiful Friday morning? Fantastic, Vinny. How about yourself? I love to hear that. I'm always fantastic, Devon. It's always a good time talking Raiders football. Remember what we were talking about yesterday with the... Uh, I've been trying to forget it, actually. These last <laughs> couple of days, the, the, the rankings of the Raiders roster kind of got a lot of people all fired up. Mm-hmm. Ben Lindsay, ESPN slash Pro Football Focus, had the Raiders in his... Rankings of the uh, all 32 teams in the NFL, their rosters. Off the top of your head, you would probably think the Raiders are, I think, in the upper echelon, maybe 12 to 15 or so with the rosters when you think about everybody that they have on this team. But no, 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 no. The Raiders, according to Ben Lindsay, were ranked 21st in the NFL in terms of their roster. Heidi, how does that make you feel? Well, yeah, like I said yesterday, I don't think that it's an appropriate uh, positioning for them. I do think that they are a better football team than when I look at the Washington Commanders roster. And they still have them. That's the one that really stuck out to me out of all of them, I think. The Saints, the Eagles. Um, Well, for me, you know, those are at the top of the, the charts there. Not sure what went all into that when you look at the rosters either. Um, I know Ben tried to explain some of that on Q show, but 
the other thing too that I saw come out was about that secondary, uh, the PFF ranking with that, and I think I was even more shook a little bit by the 29th the, ranking. Right, they ranked him 29th overall in the NFL. And yeah, like we've been talking about, there are some concerns there. They're not that proven, but I'm just like, 29? Yeah, we'll it, see. They've been really hitting hard and low on the Raiders, except for, I think, with offense. It's the only thing that I've seen as a higher ranking. But they also put some groups in there um, in the offensive rankings, and I don't have that in front of me, but I do recall that the Raiders, I think we're like down the list, and still in the top 10, but down the list and still, when I think about the grouping, I think top fives uh, for comparatively in the NFL. Skill players? Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And when you look at it and it's under 10, I'm just like, I think it was like 11, 12, something like that. And I was just like, wow. Yeah. And to me, you know, you're, you're, it all starts with the quarterback for me. You, you know, if you're, I know it's 53 man roster and you have to take that into account, but I think it all starts with, okay, where's the quarterback? Um, and when you look at the Saints, I'm not all right. Um, not even sure who the I guess this is going to be Jameis Winston. He's still coming back from an injury. Um, the Philadelphia Eagles, I think Jalen Hurts has a bright future, but I'm not quite there with him yet. Um, so, and I think the Raiders have a really good quarterback and a good roster uh, on top of that. So, but to Ben Lindsay's credit, uh, he came on uh, with Q Myers yesterday on unnecessary roughness. Uh, and took some questions, kind of explaining the thought process, where he was with the Raiders, uh, why he felt the Broncos were um, a better roster uh, than the Raiders. Uh, the Broncos, I think, were ranked 14th to the Raiders 21st. Um, and here's Ben Lindsay talking about, um, you know, his thoughts on the Raiders. Yeah, the Raiders are, are tough because they, right, they're a playoff team from last year. And a couple teams sort of right around them on that list were two, with the Titans, with the Cardinals. Um, but you can make an argument that they overachieved a little bit if you look at something like point differential, which is sort of a rough view of that. They were fourth worst in the AFC in point differential last year. Um, but in terms of their actual roster, the offensive line is still one of the bigger concerns. Colton Miller is in place there at left tackle. But the rest of that starting offensive line, you're kind of hoping at a lot of the positions. You're hoping Denzel Good comes back uh, healthy and provides some stability there at left guard. You're hoping Dylan Parham can potentially come in and start as, at right guard as a rookie. Um, you're hoping Leatherwood takes that step forward in his second year, sort of like an Andrew Thomas. And then on defense, you have Jones and you have Crosby, which should be one of the better edge duos in the league. Um, but again, at cornerback, you're kind of hoping younger guys like Mullen, like Rocky Sin, take a step forward. Uh, the interior defensive line looks a little bit weaker on paper. Uh, strong safety uh, across from Merrick, whether that's Harmon, whether that's Abram, um, that could be a potential question mark. So it, they're, at, they're really strong at a few areas, like on edge, um, and like at wide receiver, bringing in Devontae Adams, having Renfro, having Waller. But there are holes on the roster. Those are some sound uh, arguments. Um, not going to lie. Uh, you know, the point differential thing is tricky for me because, um, you know, the, the Raiders actually, you know, averaged fewer offensive points than defensive points given up. And I get that and I understand that. But there were some extenuating circumstances. First, you, if you, the, the Kansas City Chiefs games, both of those games just sort of warped that whole stat. Um, it, yeah, it changed the dynamic. 43 those are two, to 9 and all yeah, that. Yeah, those are two blowout losses. Um, but also, 
you know, uh, along the way, they lost their play caller in John Gruden. They lost Henry Ruggs. Uh, before before that happened, uh, the Raiders were right there with everybody in terms of scoring. They were scoring a lot of points prior to that. And then they lost, um, um, you know, uh, Darren Waller for five for five straight games. So that kind of skewed the offense a little bit. And, and if we're just going on, I mean, I get you have to think about last year, but then you, you start thinking about, well, where are they right now? Well, they've replaced, you know, they brought in Devontae Adams. He's an upgrade over what Henry Ruggs was doing, a, a huge upgrade. Uh, if Darren Waller stays healthy, that changes that dynamic. Obviously, Josh McDaniels is now in charge of the offense. So, um, yes, looking back at last year is important, but also it, things have changed massively since last year. Right, and especially when I think about just rotational players that are going to be part of this team, such as you don't have uh, Carl Nassib. Um, you don't have Corey Littleton coming in and not – Playing but, up but to specifically the, level. the offense, first of all, you know, because he he was saying the point differential was not good. But you, I don't think you could base that on what happened last year because the the whole dynamic has changed from last year. Right. Yeah. I mean, you have Devontae Adams, you have Hunter, you have Darren Waller. These are guys that I think are going to be like we've been talking about a three headed monster. You have the idea of somebody um, really in the running game that will deploy the running backs in different game type situations that makes it easier to uh, take some of the the pressure off of the passing game. So you're not going to have to have Derek Carr in these situations that it's um, setting them up for failure. And I'm not saying Derek Carr is failure. I'm saying like there's been a lot of times when you go into the red zone and you see them with Josh Jacobs and he hasn't been able to quite push through at the goal line the way I think that they've wanted him to. And when you have another rotation of guys and you bring in a Zemir White and you bring in a guy even like Britton Brown that can be there somehow to use in a rotation. I'm not saying I don't I don't know if Britton Brown will make that roster, but I'm saying like that you have enough guys in the backfield to rotate to see who can stand out, to see if there's one of them that might make great uh, goal line back that can be able to come up in those situations and step up. Because I feel like a lot of the time in the red zone, the pressure was on Carr to do the work there. And now you have enough guys that you can pass out of the flat. You can set up a bubble screen. You can use plays like that that are going to help the offense move the ball more effectively. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and again, a lot of it is pre- predicated on guys staying healthy, but but. We can't talk about injuries right now. Injuries haven't happened. We're just talking about the roster as it is this year. And I think you have to throw some of what happened out from last year because it's different players, it's a different coach, uh, all of those type of things. But here's Ben also talking about uh, the Raiders' um, strengths uh, in terms of being super strong in some areas. Yeah, because where the Raiders are good, they're really good. Um, Carr is sort of like right on that. I, I think he's back into the top ten in terms of quarterbacks. And then receiving core, it's a, it should be a top five receiving core um, with Adams, with Renfro, with Waller. A little bit of concern at that second outside wide receiver spot, but they have enough options that, that I'm not too worried about that. And then the same thing at the edge duo with uh, Crosby and Jones. So, I, I, like you said, where they're good, they're really good. It's just sort of some of the other positions and being a little bit thinner um, and, and more – prospective uh, kind of players who could take a step forward that knock them down a little bit. 
That's Ben Lindsay uh, talking about where the Raiders are, are super strong, and I that's what I'm kind of focused on is like where they're super strong, they're in some ways extraordinarily super strong. And I don't think that when you look at that wide receiver and skill, um, you know, uh, tandem, uh, and then also throw in the quarterback and the play caller, um, it's it's as top line as it gets. Right, and I think I mean overall, you're talking about just even in the division, that's something to me that has stood out is the the Broncos being ranked as high as they are. And you think, okay, yeah, Russell Wilson, okay. But adjusting, trying to figure out your timing with the guys that you do have. They do have some great wide receivers, um, but they still have a lot to prove. Is there a team that you would trade – the Raiders' um, uh, uh, weapons for the way the Raiders' playmakers. Would you trade that group with any other group in the NFL? Like the entire group? Yeah, like you, if well, there's a t- if, mean... you, if you if you could say, "Hey, New York Giants, we want to trade you our skill players for your skill players." Hey, Commanders, we want to trade you our skill players for your skill players. There's people I think you can definitely upgrade, but I wouldn't go out and like say if you're gonna group them together that I would try to trade them for. Is there anybody? Is there any team? Yeah, there are. What team? <laughs> I would say, like, right now, I really like um, the the Buccaneers skill players. So you would trade Devontae Adams, Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro for their guys? I would get Mike Evans and... Um, all? I'm just saying. Not all. It's, it's, I'm not it's, saying no, all. That, because, because to me, when you're ranking a roster, yeah. that's what you... Like, I don't... I don't see a team in the I NFL. I like Chris Godwin. I like all of those guys. <laughs> there's I, I there's like, skill players I think that can be, you know. Absolutely, if you talk, Even question. from a fantasy perspective, I mean, there's a lot of quarterbacks that are upgrades. But I don't know that I would go necessarily and take the whole group. But yeah. if you're asking if there's players that I think that are better skill players, yeah, I think there's a lot of people that if you put them up and say, is this guy going to get 2,000 yards versus this guy's 1,000 yards? Sure. But if you're going to say, okay, am I going to take this guy's 1,000 yards because it contributed more to what the team effort was trying to get than no. So it's a matter of semantics there. But I do think that there are players that, yeah, I mean, there are players that no doubt about it but we're talking about he's ranking rosters like each team's roster not each player individually not that we're not taking like the top skill players but yeah my answer would be yes you would trade yeah i don't think the raiders are going to end up as the number one overall team in the nfl no no no, not that but but just in terms of skill players give me the dolphins you'd rather have the Dolphins skill players give me jalen waddle give me Tariq hill and give me raheem mostert at running back. So that's the question. You so got um, Gasecki, I want to say that's the name there. So Tua. I Are you taking Tua? No, skill plays. He just said, he just, Vinny threw out the question of skill plays. All right, we'll add quarterback no. to it, too. Yeah, I wasn't see, sure not, if you meant the see, whole now, group. Now, or... yeah, see, but now, that's you're what we're ta- the, now you're moving the bar, but you said but you, for the okay. question that you just posed was skill players. If you move the bar, All right. then of course, then yes. Well, we're going to have to move the bar eventually. But we were just talking about that that specific set of players I got there. you. I got you. So, okay, um, that's fair enough. Just when I have the answers, you change the question. No, 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 no I'm not, I'm not going to change the <laughs> question. But we're, we are talking about – because I, my, my point is if, if you're, you're one team that you would trade your skill players for, right? One team – um, that was just a, that's just off the top of my head of just say, Waddle Hill, um, Mostert as running back, mm-hmm. and then Gasecki as a tight end. Hey, yeah. he had seventy three receptions last good. year as a tight end. Uh, that is that is some comparable. That is good production for yeah. a tight end. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. I, I, I so still if you're saying like right. what Derek Carr? Because the way I phrased the question in my head is if you give Derek Carr those weapons, 
hey, I don't know if they're better because we haven't seen this group play. Right. right. But that's just as dangerous. You give Derek Carr to rekill, whoa. Yeah, yeah. I'm I even a, uh, like the idea of Kittle, Debo Samuel, and uh, was it Elijah Moore? They're pretty good. I just, I man, I just when 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 you put to me the game changer was Devonte putting Devonte on this team. He is so good and will will uh, complement. I think this this group of of uh, and also you got to throw in Keelan Cole, um, Demarcus Robinson. Uh, you know, Mac Hollins as a as a collective group, and that, that's because we're talking about full rosters here. Um, and then if you throw, I'm not trying to change up the question here, Demond, but if you throw in the quarterback now, would you trade it with the Miami Dolphins? Well, of course not, because two two is not yeah. a proven commodity. But yet. the right. Miami Dolphins are ranked ahead of the Raiders on their roster. I do think. Well, do you think got, the do you think the Dolphins have a better roster than the Raiders? Skill position players. No, I no, just, no, I just the, broke. No, the, I'm, I'm, let me break it down for you. Yeah. Skill position. I do think that they have better players. Offensive line. I do think that offensive line is a little bit better than the Raiders because, like Ben Lindsay said yesterday, hey, you're just hoping that everyone right. comes back whole. You're hoping that these players can play well. Colton Miller is your only, you know, sh- surefire starter. Right on the offensive line. That that Miami Dolphins secondary. Hey, that's one They're of the, that's a, that's a top five secondary in the league, and I don't know the like the entire Dolphins roster off the top of my head, but just off skill players, you want to say just about even offensive line better, quarterback not so much, but secondary a top five secondary in the league. Hey, it is looking a little bit better. But- and to me, like I start looking at some of the top ones that they've ranked right, which were I believe the Bills and uh, um, Bucks were up there, right? And there's. Little things like with the skill players, like I don't want Devin Singletary, but could you throw in Stefan Diggs and uh, Gabriel Davis? And, I like the Buffalo Bills you know, a lot. Yeah, but and Singletary, eh, you know, I'm, I've been like, he, he's a little lukewarm for me. Right. So I wouldn't trade that. But like, you know, I like Fournette, Evans, Godwin. Yeah, I would I would trade for that. I think uh, Fournette might not have as much tread left in the tires. Right, right, right. right. But if, if, and that's the thing too, like if you talk about, Skill players plus scheme fit, do all of those guys fit in what Josh McDaniels is trying to produce on the field? And so, like, if I'm keeping the coach, I got to think about that as well. Like, who fits in that scheme? And that's why I like what the Raiders have. Yeah, me too. Because I think that it really fits scheme-wise and that Mm -hmm. all of these players are adaptable players that are going to work into the system well. Yeah, and I just, you know, I, I think the Miami Dolphins do have a really good roster, and I could sit here and say, yeah, you know, it's close. It might be, maybe they do have a better overall roster, but what are they tenth? If they're who's that? The, the Dolphins? Dolphins, yeah. If they're, I think they're yeah, yeah. Think if they're tenth, I still don't see why the Raiders would be how the Raiders could be twenty first. <laughs> yeah, because uh, we're talking about them as as it's pretty close. It's hard. It's hard. You know, um, to figure out again what exactly. I mean, I think a lot of it too is their. Um, Assessing defensive players, they're assessing offensive yes, line. It's sure. the entire yeah. spectrum, and so that's where like it becomes more than just trading offensive skill players or mm-hmm. or quarterback because they're they're grouping it all as a whole. And you know, each team, of course, went through made these upgrades. I was listening uh, again. I can listen to a lot of stuff as I come in, and uh, AFC South breakdown that they had and how they were giving me points on Houston that I never would have thought about. Just like, you know, how many people they went out to acquire and 25 different players coming into the team. 25 players. That's crazy. And I was like, wow, that's like half the team. It yeah. is. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when you think Good about math, it. Heidi. Whoa, almost. <laughs> I had it's to not like... totally out there, but almost. <laughs> you know? So it, it's just like a lot of stuff like that when I start thinking about what would you trade for? You know, I, I think 
I like the way the running backs are for the Raiders because it works in their scheme. But would I trade some of those guys for somebody else like uh, Austin Eckler? Yeah, I would. Yeah, but, individually, but, right, yeah, of right. course. But would I, would I say that um, as a group? I, I just don't know. Yeah, like Damon said, you know, it's not yet been seen on the field sure. what they're going to produce. And I'm not trying to say, like, oh, we got to see that first before we make that kind of call. But I, I think that you know, when you base a lot off of last year, it becomes a lot more convoluted as to how these numbers come up. Yeah. Uh, and I, I feel like offense wins games. And I feel like the Raiders are going to score a whole lot of points. That's a different than, you know, top to bottom roster. And I get that. And when we come back, uh, Ben Lindsay is going to explain some of the criteria and elements that went into uh, what his, you know, how he ranked uh, individual rosters. You're listening to the morning tailgate show. Vinny Bonsignor, Heidi Fang and Damon Cotton. Hit up the show on Twitter at Clay Baker Radio. And now back to the morning tailgate on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. That was Ben Lindsay from Pro Football Focus um, speaking to Q Myers yesterday on Unnecessary Roughness, uh, kind of going through some of the criteria that he put uh, or utilized uh, to come up with his rankings of uh, NFL rosters. One through 32, the Raiders slotted in at number 21. I think that's a little low for them. Um, I would think... Yeah, uh, fifteen and above. You know, fifteen, yeah. fourteen, somewhere around around there. Um, you guys, and uh, you're back uh, in the morning tailgate with Vinny Bonsignor, Heidi Fang, and Devon Cotton. Um, one team in particular that jumped out at me. A couple teams uh, that were ahead of the of the Raiders um, was the Denver Broncos at number fourteen. And I'm a huge Russell Wilson guy. I've seen him single handedly almost. Uh, win football games late when it counted and you had to have um, somebody making some plays and he's doing everything. Uh, and I do think he makes a huge difference, um, you know, with the Broncos, but they're number 14, the Raiders are number 21. I'm just wondering about that discrepancy right there, but here's uh, Ben Lindsay talking about uh, where and why the Broncos uh, at number 14. The biggest issue with the, Ro- with the Broncos for the last three, four years has been the quarterback position pretty much since, since Manning. Um, So they went out and addressed it. But I am kind of interested to see how Russell Wilson fits in there his first year um, because the Seahawks tried a couple different offensive coordinators with him, and he really just came came back to the fact that Russell Wilson is going to play how how he wants to play. He's going to hold on to the ball. He's going to scramble. He's going to throw outside the numbers, um, which is not exactly what the Packers did uh, the last couple years with Hackett. So seeing how those two mesh together, um, it, it could be not quite as effective as some people are thinking, at least next year. Um, but the rest of their roster, I think, is in a pretty good spot. They have talent at receiver. Um, defensively, they brought in some, some more edge rushers with Randy Gregory, um, adding a Nick Benito in the draft, who I think could have some success as a designated pass rusher. So uh, it, it really comes down to that quarterback position and, and how much Russell Wilson gels with Hackett uh, in year one. That was Ben Lindsay uh, talking about the Denver Broncos, who he had slotted in at number 14 uh, on his rankings of NFL rosters, one through 32. Uh, Heidi, I keep hearing that the Denver Broncos are a quarterback away, a quarterback away, and have been a quarterback away. We've covered the Raiders against the Broncos uh, pretty, you know, a bunch of times in the last few years. 
I don't feel like the Broncos were a quarterback away. Why, especially last year, the Raiders, you know, handled them. I know the quarterback is obviously hugely important, uh, but but the Raiders have handled the the Broncos in a couple of those uh, uh, matchups. And I just I I don't think that they're. I think we're overselling the Broncos' overall roster. I think the problem with them is that when you talk about like Jerry Judy and they expected a lot of explosion out of him and he's been dropping balls and then he was injured and then, you know, there's, there's been a lot of and then and then and then maybe with Jerry Judy. Um, Cortland Sutton was out about a year ago and came back and had a decent campaign. But, you know, when you're relying on Tim Patrick, who isn't bad at all, but when you're looking at. Tim Patrick to carry the offense with the two-headed work, uh, uh, Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon. That's been kind of tough, I think, for this team to have to put all of that weight on some of these young players' shoulders. And so the thing, too, with Russell Wilson is I'm not 100% sold on it right now that he's going to be the guy that really changes and gives this team a lifeline. I think what's happening with him and – We've seen a little bit of this with Seattle, and yeah, he was hurt, but throws over the middle a lot, and that's something you can't keep doing, especially in this division. This is going to be a tough, tight division, and when you're doing that, you're setting yourself up for deflections, for interceptions, for a lot of easy you know, reads in zone, pick up on that play, and, and shut it down. So I think he's going to have to kind of diversify what he's doing and throwing the football and have to learn another new system and all of this stuff and new coaches and new players getting used to the timing. I'm not sure that the chemistry is going to be there for this team yet. Yeah. And I'm not um, sold that they're, you know, such a vastly superior one to 53 uh, roster uh, than the Raiders. And so that's why I question them being number 14. Yeah, Um, I could flip flop those two teams right now on the spot. Thank you. Yeah. No. Thank you. I think that would be. We agree. On I think something. that would be appropriate. I think that would work. Actually, I think the Raiders at fourteen, fifteen, and the Broncos being twenty-one. I think we just solved it right there, Heidi Fang. That yeah. was Ben Lindsay, by the way, uh, and we appreciate him coming on to Q's uh, Unnecessary Roughness show to kind of walk us through, walk everybody through uh, what his thought process was. Uh, it's the Morning Tailgate Show with Vinny Bonsignor, Heidi Fang, and Demon Cotton. Now back to the morning tailgate with Clay Baker on RNR 920 AM. Be part of the show. Text us on the Sam and Ash text line. Text the keyword RNR followed by your message to 69187. Tell you what, you guys, uh, there was a moment yesterday where um, sometimes. A breaking story happens where you kind of will remember where you were when you saw this. I know this might not mean as much to you guys as it does to me just growing up in California and being a Pac-12 football fan for as long as I, I have. Uh, but I was in Q's office. I was actually waiting uh, to talk to Q. And all of a sudden, John Wilner, the great reporter uh, from the Bay Area News Group, tweets out that USC and UCLA are going to the Big Ten are moving from the Pac-12 to the Big Ten in time for the 2024 season. I was just, I had to look to see if, is this really John Wilner tweeting this? Like, is this John's real <laughs> Twitter site here? Uh, because that was such an explosive <laughs> bit of news. Like, what were your, what are your thoughts, Heidi? Well, yeah, I, you know, I grew up in the Bay too, so it's like, yeah. um, you know, we would look forward on edge for, you know, Stanford-Berkeley game every 
every year. It was always the thing to watch. Uh, been a couple of those as my sister went to Stanford. So when I'd go out and check out the, there's nothing like that feeling, you know, and um, just thinking about the fact that a couple of the teams that have been really in just, you know, key teams in the league. I mean, the the conference. It's it's kind of crazy. Just USC. They're the they're the top dog <laughs> yeah, in that exactly. conference. Exactly. It's, it's so when you think about it, and just the fact that they'd be moving on, and like you know, Big Ten. I'm just not used to that. To me, is like just not where the California teams belong, no. and it's just it doesn't feel. Right. And I love what Amir Abdullah had to say about it because he was like, you know, by 2030, we're going to have two conferences, just the big teams all, you know, conglomerated into two big. You almost <laughs> do have that now. That's crazy. When you think about yeah. the Big Ten and the SEC now. All this movement. It's just like, you know, I think even Derek Carr, when he was talking about Fresno State, he's like, used to be in you know, yeah. the whack. And it, it's not. And it's like crazy how much the realignment ha- has changed with all of these divisions and constant movement. And you know, I remember when it became... Pack twelve. That was even weird. It went pack eight, pack ten, yeah. pack twelve. Yeah, and I was like, "This is strange." Yeah, because like, they, kept... they added Utah yeah. and Colorado. Mm-hmm. So that just overall in the past, what's that been? Ten years since Pretty it much. went from pack ten to twelve. Yeah, and then you know even before that, and it's you think about that how they're going to align all of these teams and and play it out. It, it's just strange to me how it keeps changing. I'm adapting to it. <laughs> but yeah, just, we have to, right? As we look at it, you know, there's, you, there's no other choice. You think like Big Ten, you think, yeah, like Northwestern, you know, you think Wisconsin, about, Ohio yeah, State, yeah, Michigan, you don't think Minnesota, California Purdue. teams. Like, <laughs> right? that's why it's really funny. We were laughing about it during one of the breaks, and I can't remember who tweeted it. It was like one of these uh, companies, and they put up that picture from The Simple Life with Paris Hilton and Nicole Richie. <laughs> that was And great. they're like, uh, USC and UCLA showing up to the Big Ten, like, and they had on their overalls and all of that, and holding little farm animals. It's just too much. Right. No, it's, it was perfectly uh, stated in that in that tweet. Uh, that's the image when you see the you know the two L.A. Southern California mm-hmm. teams now all of a sudden going to Iowa or Wisconsin or Purdue uh, to go play some football games and really everything it's basketball it's 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 across the board all of the sports but um, it's kind of a sad day too because you know I get I understand from USC's perspective uh, and UCLA's perspective this is a lot of money at stake I think they're going to be doubling their intake when you when they join the Big Ten and the new TV contract which is expected to exceed a billion dollars a year. A billion dollars a year is what the Big Ten is shooting for in this next TV deal, which is up, and they're they're expected to get that. Yeah, and so you bring in a couple sexy teams from SoCal with all the, the glamour and, you know, help boost some of that a little bit, I think, and, and you get the more eyes with other teams, and I think that's what it's becoming is leagues driven by TV deals and big uh, corporations that have the these bowls and things that maybe they want this bowl with this team and these guys and this area, and it's just all of these different things that you buy and you have the the um, sponsorships and things like yeah. that. A lot of that is starting, I think, drive what's happening. I mean, Texas is going to Texas and Oklahoma mm-hmm. are going to the SEC, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, what's so what's going to happen to the Big 12? What's going to happen to the Pac-12 now, which is now back to the Pac-10 uh, by 2024, although I'm sure they're going to try to Even add like some like recruitment. Like think about recruitment. I mean, you're going out to look at players that, you know, normally maybe you're looking around the 
hometown kids, you know, that USC and all that. And <laughs> now you're looking, okay, do we, do we take the recruitment? I'm sure, you know, of course recruitment goes everywhere. I'm not stupid, but <laughs> when but you I mean, go, uh, yeah. And centrally look around. Yeah. Like if you're Michigan, now you're really recruiting California more because, mm-hmm. Hey, we're yeah. going to get you home every year, basically. Yeah. To play either USC or UCLA or vice versa, uh, and so if you're, and then if you're UCLA and USC, even though you know recruiting California is usually you know cl- it's not enough, but it, it makes you close to enough if you could just keep those California kids home. But now if you're USC, you could go into Chicago, you go, you could go into Michigan, you could go into some of those others, Ohio. Um, where there's some really good talent, and say, "Hey, look, we're gonna get you. You're gonna your your family is gonna see you play. We're gonna be out here every. This is our yeah. div, this is our conference now. So, yeah. um, you know, I I do wonder what's gonna happen to the Pac-12. Uh, I don't know um, if it's gonna be able to sustain itself. Um, I'm, I would think that like Oregon, um, where's Oregon? What's gonna happen to or what's gonna happen to Cal and Stanford? You know, like where are they gonna? I don't know if that conference can sustain itself at this point now. No, and that's it's going to be, I think, a work in progress as we all kind of navigate through this is to see how that plays out because of the the this difference, like you mentioned there, and how it'll start to pan out. I, I just, I don't, it's so weird. I just thinking of it. It really is. Like, it is weird. You know, I don't know how to make sense of it with these conference ties and everything and people that... Uh, are you know used to being out this way for this I, I don't know it's just it's really weird how you start looking at it and then the and, nil and the yeah. nil is a big factor yeah. which i agree with i think players it's it's high time players at the very least were able to make some money off their name image and likeness yeah and uh, again like what does this mean for some of these teams and and, and watching them and, and seeing how everything comes out yeah. like you know in the pac-12 statement i wanted to pull up just while we're extremely surprised and disappointed by the news coming out ucla usc today we have a long storied history in athletics academics leadership but um pac-12 home to many of the best one and so we've been known for a long time as the conference champions and we're unwavering in our commitment to extend that title. They are. It's, it's, it's and, interesting. And, and yeah. you know, when you talk about baseball and volleyball and swimming and all that, uh, the Pac-12 uh, is second to none. But when it comes to football, not so much uh, lately. And I gotta say, I'm an optimist at heart. Um, I'm looking forward to Michigan against USC at the Coliseum on a Saturday night in November to uh, maybe decide that end of things. You know, for the uh, for the Big Ten championship. And who or, did they call up? I'm sorry. Who do they call up to fill the spots, the voids? The I don't know. 12. We will we will find out. Um, it's it's crazy times, and uh, it's it's ever it's ever <laughs> ever changing. Uh, it's the morning tailgate with Vinny Bonsignor, Heidi Fang. Now back to Clay Baker with your morning tailgate on Raider Nation Radio nine twenty. I'm gonna have to kick you. You know what? Today we're heading inside the tent with an injury update from the Las Vegas Raiders. Hear that opening. It's time to go out onto uh, the Raider Nation guest line and welcome in our good friends, Dr. Robert O'Dell and Dr. Stephen Shaw from the Neuropathy and Pain Center here in Las Vegas. Before we get to the good doctors, uh, just want to let you guys know that, uh, look, there's nothing worse than living in chronic pain with little hope. 
And far too many of us are in that predicament, whether it's ourselves, or loved ones, friends, colleagues. Um, but the days of grinning and bearing it and gritting your teeth and bearing it are over. And the Neuropathy and Pain Center of Las Vegas uh, is here to help. And they offer genuine relief from even the most severe and persistent forms of pain. Please call their office today or book an appointment online to find out how to live as pain-free a life as possible. We all deserve that. Their number is 702 702- 257-7246. That's 702-257-7246. Dr. Odell, Dr. Shah, how are we doing today? Doing great, Vinny. How are you? Oh, good, Vinny. Doing good. Uh, Dr. Odell, I got to start with you. Uh, I know last week uh, you were out of town, uh, and I want to say you were at uh, a train convention or a train meeting. And I know that's uh, a subject near and dear to your heart. Where were you last week? Well, the National Garden Railroad Society had their, um, uh, I don't know, na- national meeting. I uh, can't remember which number it is, but Denver uh, actually started it. They have, like, garden railroads all over the area, and I visited some of them. And they had a big exhibition hall, like, seminars. Uh, a lot of the people were older because uh, the, the, the railroad enthusiasts, unfortunately, are aging, although I was very surprised there were some younger people. Um, they had seminars on on how to do this, how to do that, beginner level. They had a kid's model where they gave each kid the same exact, the same exact, a little building, a fence, and some other stuff to, to, to create a junkyard scene. Then the adult modelers just, I couldn't believe uh, how amazing some of the stuff was that they, that they, um, they produced. Uh, I have uh, pictures, which of course this is not television, but uh, um, it, it was, uh, it was really neat. One thing about the railroad, it's, it's the history of this country. If we did not have the railroad, if that had not been established at the same time as roughly this country was started, you know, the, the steam engine, I think, or invented, I believe, in England in the early 1800s, um, this country would probably be five countries, believe it or not. I mean, it's, it's, it's so interesting. Um, of course, everybody remembers the Golden Spike shortly after the Civil War, and then what's little known as the Santa Fe Railroad, how that opened up Southern California. But um, the other thing I did is I drove down to uh, uh, uh uh, Canyon City, Colorado, and I rode the the Royal Gorge uh, train, and I, I actually rode in the engineer's cab, and that was really cool. I got some great pictures. That's near a whitewater river uh, in the gorges, a uh, river raptors. We saw some river raptors. The engineer said he saw two guys. They were standing on their uh, on their uh, rafts. He'd never seen that before. I mean, some of those rapids look to me like class five, but that was a lot of fun and. It was interesting, uh, even though it's just the one train going up and down the gorge, the safety measures they have in, you know, looking ahead to the signals and how they do that with the conductor and all that. It was, it was really fascinating stuff. And I think the listeners really need to realize is 90% of what you're looking at, wherever you are, came here by rail, um, modern-wise. Unfortunately, the, the, the uh, advent of uh, the Europeans and the, uh, uh, the, the Asians have gone way ahead of us in terms of rail transportation with the more high-speed trains. Um, and that's something that we, we've fallen behind. You know, it would be nice to uh, start catching up because with the hassles of the airport and all that, it would be really nice, for example, to have a, uh, uh, a train uh, from here to uh, Los Angeles, for example. Um, anyway, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. It's a lot of history. 
it's just it was amazing. Yeah, and uh, to Dr. Odell's point, uh, I, I'm fascinated by by trains myself. And there's a great uh, documentary. It's called uh, the, "The Men Who Built America," uh, and and the advent of the train and how it connected uh, the country, not just made it easier for us to get from point A to point Z, uh, but also um, just the fact that you could transport goods uh, from point A to point B much easier than getting on a boat and getting on a river uh, and doing a, 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 that way or by uh, by horse, um, being able to, to expedite that process. And you're talking about names like Rockefeller uh, and, and Vanderbilt. Stanford. Stanford. Yes, exactly. Uh, these these were these were men and pioneers, really, um, who with w- whether it was oil uh, or goods or building, um, you know, train tracks and connecting us. It, it really is a fascinating, um, you know, uh, subject. And and to also to your point, Doctor Odell, I actually think that more and more people are starting to figure out that train travel uh, is 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 the way to go. You talk about you know the hassles at the airline, staffing, all of those type of things things uh, that, that we won't get into necessarily, but it's made train travel. If you go on YouTube, there's a lot of people that are blogging and vlogging about their experiences traveling the United States by train. I got to imagine that makes you pretty happy. It's fun. Yeah, it really is. Absolutely. Look the Canadian Rockies, the, uh, the, uh, um, the, the Rocky Mountaineer, and I just can't say enough about that. It was just unbelievable. Yeah, absolutely. And and Dr. Shaw, if you want to see America um, doing it by train, I always urge people to do that. Whether you're talking about cross, you know, country to uh, you know one side to the other, or up and down. Um, uh, I don't know if you've ever done it or partaken, but train travel is a lot of fun. Well, speaking of training, it's almost football season, and I'm sure everyone's training right now for this upcoming season. I know uh, I would be. I'm yeah. very excited. And I wanted to ask you about that, uh, Dr. Shaw, because we're, we're in like about a, a, a two, two and a half week now uh, lull where players take breaks, coaching staff take, take breaks before the heavy lifting really starts uh, in terms of, of training camp. Um, and, you know, you can't lose your edge physically wise. Uh, you need to be in shape, obviously, to, to hit the ground running when training camp starts. If you were advising some of the young players, some of the players um, on on ways to either not just stay in shape physically and uh, conditioning-wise, but also to make sure that you avert any kind of injuries to start out. What would you say? Well, I mean, you gotta you got to crawl before you walk and walk before you run. I think building your fundamentals is important. Now is the time for weight training, getting your muscles, your tendons, your ligaments strong enough so that when you hit the gas, when the season starts, you'll have less propensity for injury. Um, and is there is there a uh, fine line between you, you still want to mentally rest, physically rest during this period before uh, you know starting training camp? Uh, where's the fine line? Do you think between doing that but then not losing your edge? I, I don't know that uh, uh, athletes at that uh, in the NFL level ever lose their edge or they ever turn it off. I think they. They, it's constantly on full blast, and their, their their motivation is what keeps them in the weight room. It keeps them out on the track and keeps them wanting to improve themselves even uh, better and stronger and faster. I think there is no separation. I think it's just all about timing. And, uh, you know, in the off season, you probably want to work more on your kinesiology, your range of motion, your flexibility uh, to maintain all the integrity of those soft tissues. But 
um, once the season starts, you, you have to ramp it up and hit the gas. Dr. Odell, I wanted, and Dr. Shaw, I wanted to talk uh, this week about neck pain. Um, it just seems like, you know, whether sleeping in the heat, trying to find a comfort zone uh, for your body to, to sleep comfortably and doing things with your pillows, you might wake up with a little bit of a, of a, of a pain issue, a neck pain issue, uh, or how we sit, how we work, looking at a computer uh, all day, if that's what we're doing, uh, or activities that we're doing. Um, how, pres- how prevalent, uh, Dr. Odell, is neck pain, especially with what you do over at the Neuropathy and Pain Center? Well, when you were doing your nice intro, um, I was going to mention that a lot of people uh, are walking around with neck pain, and I've talked to people, including recently an internal medicine physician who didn't think much could be done. She was almost uh, ready to, uh, to get disability. And now I've done the right procedures, and we're getting ready to, to uh, do the definitive treatment to burn the nerves. A lot of neck pain especially as you get older, is facet syndrome. That means that the little joints in the back are, are causing the pain, and it's very easy to diagnose and, and very easy to treat. We use an advanced um, ablation technique with a larger needle, and most of my patients don't even have to come back. These little nerves that go to these little joints uh, can be burned, and uh, they grow back. But with this device, it's a Duros Trident needle, and it's very difficult to, to advertise this because it's you know, except the neck pain, because most people with neck pain, a lot of it is really not disc or uh, spinal stenosis. Um, in fact, I saw a patient yesterday that uh, he's going to have a second epidural steroid. If that doesn't work, the surgeons are going to grab him. Well, he has facet pain. He's a fighter pilot pulling nine Gs uh, recently on a, on, a, on a flight. And uh, I said, I, I, I did my workup, and I sent him the email, give this to your doctor, your other pain doctor tomorrow who's doing the epidural steroid because you need to have this treated first before you consider having any, any surgery. He does, to be fair, have spinal stenosis, which is a narrowing of the, uh, of the cord, neck. He's not an older guy. He's a younger guy. He flies for United and also uh, is in the Air National Guard in Hawaii, which, by the way, under the current political realm is, uh, you know, my hat's off to him. Um, but uh, um, a lot of people with neck pain think nothing can be done, and it is – the most rewarding, the most rewarding procedure that uh, that I do as an interventional pain doctor. It is it is wonderful. Now, one other thing: if you have a kink in the neck, something minor, we have an advanced electromedical device which I've talked about called Synexus, where we can actually use the electricity, uh, electrical properties of the body to provide some anti-inflammatory or muscle relaxation directly to the neck. Hey guys, it's your boy Vinny B from Raider Nation Radio in the huddle. Guys, I've been talking for months now about TAT, an affordable quality CBD cigarette. Well, good news, all TAT products are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. That's right, TAT products, all of them, are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas.